Good morning, Portland. Kira Klingenberg here with Kira Lindenberg. Hi, everyone. Good morning. And also, Jefferson Smith. Hi. We're here to bring you another Wednesday morning exploration into science. We've got a little less time than usual today, so we decided to save the full Everything is Interesting episode we prepared about wildfires for next time and try something a little bit different today. So... I recently read this article in a National Geographic magazine that really stuck with me. It was so interesting that I felt compelled to share some of the super cool stuff I learned about it. I read it too. I loved it. And so we were discussing the topic and we decided to share it on the air today. Oh, and Jefferson, we were hoping that you might go along with us and add your thoughts and insights to the conversation. What do you say? Okay. Great. It really makes our day. It does. That. <laughs> so the article is called Mind Over Matter, and it's a discussion about recent discoveries that scientists are making into understanding the power that our brains have over our body. And one man's story in particular stood out. So in 2011, a 42-year-old named Mike Poletich underwent an experimental surgery to treat the early-onset Parkinson's disease he had been struggling with for years. Parkinson's is a breakdown in the body's neurological system, and so far, it is known to be irreversible. So Mike turned to a private company that was testing a new experimental gene therapy. The surgery he underwent, it's pretty squeamish sounding, doctors drilled two holes into his skull and injected a protein called nerturin, I believe, directly into the areas of his brain that the Parkinson was affecting. And so the nerturin was being tested to see if it would protect and repair the dopamine-secreting neurons in Mike's brain that the Parkinson's had been damaging. And Mike's surgery was a big success. He showed inspiring improvement, regaining mobility, clear speech, and completely eradicating the uncontrollable shaking that is so commonly comes with Parkinson's disease. It was an astounding recovery. Yay, good job. Well, except, except, big caveat, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't actually give Mike any nurturin. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I like it better when Jefferson does it. <laughs> Sound effects, Jefferson. In fact, they didn't even perform the surgery at all. No! lost my headphones. (laughs) He did. It's pretty shocking. And this is what makes Mike's story so compelling. Of the trial group Mike was part of, only half the patients actually received the experimental surgery. The other half of the group group represented a placebo group. So Mike and the rest of the placebo group believed that they were receiving a gene-altering trial drug through two holes drilled in their skulls. And they were treated exactly the same as the patients that did get the therapy. They underwent the same treatment, the same pre-op screens, and, you know, right up to laying on the operation table and facing the drill. Well, Mike and the other placebo takers even had small divots drilled into their skulls to oh make my it, God, no, thank you. quote unquote, feel like the operation had actually been conducted. But their brains remained unaltered. No injection of nurturin, no real treatment. Placebo, placebo! <laughs> I was going to say that makes a really good band name, and then I remember that that's already it a band is. name. I, uh, so, 
how is it? That, why didn't we? We didn't put any placebo clips in this. It would have been a total too oversight obvious. on our part. So, how is it that Mike recovered? Why did he start showing positive effects from a treatment he never even got? It's possible, by the way, that it was some sort of crazy fluke-like coincidence, right? I mean, I know that's what you're thinking, Jefferson. Perhaps the symptoms of Mike Parkinson's... Just like like what's happened in American elections recently. (laughs) But, but, you know, (laughs) maybe the symptoms of his Parkinson's disease were, for some unknown reason, already beginning to recede, and the placebo surgery just happened to come at around the same time. That's not what I was thinking. It wasn't? No. (laughs) Well, somebody out there might have, so, you know, important to address it, because anything is possible. But that is a really long shot. Well, and just like you, Jefferson, the idea that intrigued researchers about Mike was the possibility that he was a living, breathing example of the power of the placebo effect, but, like, on an astounding scale. I believe the mind is powerful, and I am looking forward to learning just how powerful it is today on Everything is Interesting. He's the best student. Could we ask for anything better? A classroom of Jeffersons? That's a little terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so the placebo effect is not a new concept. Researchers are no stranger to the power of the placebo, and they've been using them as controls in medicinal trials for decades. For example, when testing the medicinal effects of a new drug treatment, it's important to account for these effects that are not actually related to the treatment. So in placebo-controlled studies, some patients being tested are given the actual drug and some are given a sugar pill that looks like the actual drug, you know, known as a placebo. And none of the patients know which pill they get. If the patients who receive the actual medicine experience distinct effects to those of the placebo takers, then researchers can more confidently connect those effects directly to the medicine, ruling out that the other outside influences were the cause of the changes. And when the placebo takers do experience healing effects, they're obviously not associated with the sugar pill they ingested. Well, that's the placebo effect. Wow! Or... It demonstrates the significant health benefits of sugar pills. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, there's a lot of research that would disagree with you there. Yeah, wow. I hope we didn't just accidentally say that sugar is really good for you. Well, it's really good for me, but, like, not in the way that it's good for my body, just in the way that, like, I just like eating it a lot. Right. To be specific, the sugar pill, it's not about the sugar. All right, and back to Mike's case, right? In his case, the sugar pill wasn't even a pill, but it was more like an entire sugar experience. Oh, God, I want to go to that land. His Why part- do I get the sugar experience theme park? <laughs> his participation in the theater of his treatment from beginning to end set him up with expectations of what the gene therapy was going to do for him. So the pre-checks, the doctor consultations, the tests, the visit to the hospital, and finally the fake operation itself all convinced Mike that he was actually receiving a treatment that would alleviate the symptoms of his Parkinson's. And so even though his treatment was a placebo, it still worked. So what this seems to me is a big defense for a call back to the benefits of snake oil salesmen. That, in fact, if we just are really, really good at selling our snake oil, not only in the purchase phase, but in the use phase, we might be able to cure all kinds of disease. And with that, I plug again, Alex Jones. Ooh, well, I was up with you until the Alex Jones point. (laughs) But, But weirdly, yes, this is actually... Not that I'm saying you should go out and take snake oil, but this is, I guess, an argument in defense of if you believe it's going to work, it might actually work. And we'll actually get to why this works and it has, it's better science than Alex Jones. Yeah, and it's also to an extent. So, you know, it's all about what your brain can actually do 
it, you know, can't do things that it doesn't have. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So let's go back. The, this subconscious expectation that's created around a healing scene or a medicinal experience is sometimes referred to as the theater of medicine. The more convincing the experience is to the patient, meaning the higher the subconsciousness of that patient's expectation, the better the results. As National Geographic reports, Quote, expensive placebos work better than cheap ones. Placebos in name brand containers work better than those labeled generics. Often fake injections work better than fake pills. But fake surgeries seem to be the most powerful of all. So I got questions, including do optimists live longer? Are skeptics killing themselves? And does all of this work on climate change? All right. Well, this is a good point to go back to what I was saying about it's all about what your brain can actually achieve. And we'll kind of get into the brain chemistry of that in a little bit. But like, let's say I were sitting here and I wanted to be like, I need a gummy worm right now on this desk in front of me. And I thought really hard about it. And I believed that I was going to make that gummy worm. I, I wouldn't really. My brain has no way of actually physically manifesting the gummy worm. I would just like to point out that Kira and I completely differ on this belief, but (laughs) my guess is that she was not raised reading a lot of Douglas Adams books and believing that the quantum computer that can make whales appear in the middle of the sky uh, exists, and I do believe that that exists, so I do believe that I could create a gummy worm right in front of me, but I also believe that there is no spoon, so it's, but that's a whole, that's another show. So, I mean, just to address the does it work with climate change or other things, well, can your brain change the weather? That's a question for another time. (laughs) We don't actually know yet, but if someone wants to give us a lot of funding to do those experiments, we are happy to do them for you. And the question about optimists and skeptics, um, I I think that the stuff that we learned in this article and that we're sharing today could relate, like the idea that your expectations can control what ends up happening in your body. I'm sure that positive thinking is a form of expectation, right? So as well as negative thinking. And I I feel like I have actually read statistics relating to that very question before. So I'm not going to look them up right now, but I'll let you know next episode. All right. So back to Mike and the placebo. The experimental gene therapy trial that he went through overall actually ended up being unsuccessful. The participants in the study who received the surgery did not fare notably better than those in the placebo group. The treatment was not deemed to be effective, and the research sort of pittered out. But Mike's recovery was very real, which suggests that for some reason, without actually receiving the nurturin, his brain still responded to the expectations he had developed for it. So what does the brain do here? What is the magic at work? Well, the question really becomes now, what is the actual neurochemical connection between the mind and the body? And, and that's kind of what the researchers are starting to realize the placebo effect can teach us. So what's, what, what's going on between a purchase person's subconscious beliefs and their ability to heal? What, what makes these placebos work? Well, so it seems to have something to do with those expectations a person develops around the treatment they're receiving. So weirdly, those expectations influence the way our brain controls the chemistry of our bodies. So there is something physical going on. And it does make me think that hospitals should be designed to dazzle people with the magic that is going to happen to them. (laughs) They should not be so sterile that the elimination of germs and everything being like white sheets, there should be theater, there should be sugar pills, there should be dancing. That is the theater. Your Mm. expectation of the hospital, the hospital (laughs) is going to heal me if it's clean and has white sheets and everybody is wearing gloves. That That is the theater. I I would like it way better if there were sparklers and clowns, but but we wouldn't believe it. That's right. Exactly. Okay. Here's one way. Here's one way, guys, that our beliefs can influence the chemistry of our bodies. So when you take medicine for, let's say, some kind of pain, well, your human brain develops two expectations. One, that that pain is being experienced somewhere in your body. 
and two, that the medicine that is being introduced to your body will relieve that pain. Then here's the cool thing. The body actually responds to those expectations by starting to release its own self-made painkillers called endorphins. The endorphins work to alleviate pain by interacting with the opioid receptors in the brain, so it's not just a trick of the senses. This measurable endorphin release has been shown in surgery patients who were given placebo morphine, but may help explain the concrete physical changes that occur in patients who undergo spiritual or ritualistic healing. The point here is this. The relief from the pain the placebo taker experiences is not all in their imagination. The body's chemistry is actually changing to generate the situation that the brain believes the medicine is going to create. If the brain expects a dose of morphine and therefore pain relief, it sends a signal to the body to start self-medicating with similar chemicals. The expectation of healing is enough to bring about actual healing. Chew on that for a minute. Chewing. <laughs> it's crazy. It's totally, but it, you know, it, it's one of those things that when you think back on it, you think, oh, well, the mind controls what's going on in the body. So therefore, what you're thinking could affect the chemicals being released and the hormones being released. It, it, to me, it actually is kind of like, oh, well, duh. Why didn't we think well, of that before? And it gets before? back to quantum entanglement. But, but again, we'll The we'll endorphin we thing doesn't freak me out. The other stuff freaks me out. What the yeah like it does, it's not like I I already am comfortable with the idea that if I'm happier if something happens to make me happy that's going to release endorphins and endorphins mm-hmm. have physical mm-hmm. impacts that's not the thing that blows me, my mind the thing that blows my mind is like everything else <laughs> literally everything else <laughs> yes. literally everything in the world okay let's get to the rats we don't have that much time I want to talk about the rats yeah yeah well this is also hopefully going to blow your mind and it's pretty interesting too the success of a placebo also has to do a little bit with conditioning which is the idea that the brain has to first learn what it is going to expect so in one study rats who had all just recently been given organ transplants were fed a sugary Kool-Aid-like drink pretty regularly. And the drink was mixed with a drug to suppress the release of immune system hormones. And the drug was necessary to keep them alive as it stopped the rest immune system cells from attacking the new foreign organ. With each passing day, the researchers tapered off the amount of the drug in the Kool-Aid until eventually the rats ended up with just the Kool-Aid, which without the drug could have been ineffective and their immune system should have commenced attacking the transplanted organs. But because their brains had been conditioned to associate the Kool-Aid with the effects of the drug it had once contained, the rat's brain still expected the drug to be there and to stop the release of the immune system signaling hormones. The conditioning made it so that now just drinking the Kool-Aid alone was enough to tell the rat's brains not to release the hormones at all and their transplanted organs were left unharmed. Wow! This phenomenon can be handy outside the lab too. For example, addiction to opioids has become a nationwide epidemic. But Christopher Spevak is a doctor in Maryland who works with recovering soldiers and veterans, and his therapy uses the brain's natural pain-killing abilities to replace conventional opioids like morphine. So when the patients first arrive with painful injuries, Spivak interviews them to find some positive memory from their childhood, like let's say they loved peppermint candies. So the doctor then administers a pain-killing opioid medicine at the same time as he gives the patient a peppermint candy. And the patient's brain makes a sensory connection between the candy and the release. Eventually, the dose of the drug is cut down, but not the dose of the candy, of course. And the brain's expectations of pain relief cause it to release its own pain-blocking chemicals. Cool. Also fascinating is that placebos seem to have an effect even when people know they are taking them. A 2010 study at Harvard Medical School worked with patients with IBS 
which is irritable bowel syndrome. Some patients were given a trial medicine and told several times that it was a placebo before and after. And some patients were given nothing. Well, guess what? The placebo takers felt, quote, markedly better than the patients who were taking nothing at all. The key element of this trial seemed to be that the patients were repeatedly fed all sorts of facts and statistics about how well the placebo effect works and about the power of positive thinking. So they were conditioned to expect the placebo to work really well, and so the placebo worked really well. So there you go, Jefferson. It's a little bit about power, power of positive thinking and expectation. <laughs> My mind Welcome is, in to fact, our new blown. segment. Why don't you give us like a little recap of what you've learned? What, what do you think about all of this? Okay, this is what I've learned. Snake oil salespeople are good if they're really good at it. Sugar pills are healthy. There should be more theater <laughs> in hospitals, but we have to believe that theater. I understand the pain thing, but everything else blows my mind. And pharmaceutical ads might have benefits that I had previously underestimated. How so? Well, if they tell me that this drug is going to make it so I can poop, then all of a sudden, ah. maybe it's more likely that the drug is actually going to, you know. Ah, but the layers keep going on because what if you expect that pharmaceutical ad to lie to you and tell you that, but it's not true? Then does that pharmaceutical ad work or does your expectation that it is a lie override? That's why I Ooh. rushed to the skeptic versus optimist thing. That's why I rushed ahead early on because uh. if we believe, if I think I can, I think I can is healthy, maybe I should think. Think I can. <laughs> I wonder if we've done people a disservice with this segment. Actually, I wonder if I wonder if knowing that the power of positive thinking will affect your brain chemistry will make people think more positively or be more skeptical of thinking positively. Yeah, it just I broke my own brain. I actually thought that after I finished the article, it was one thing I was like, "Oh crap! Now, now I know uh, the power of my own expectations. Does that negate the power?" Ah! I know this is the danger of of knowing the truth. Danger, the danger <laughs> in reality. But luckily, a lot of it seems to be subconscious. So you know, hopefully, we you know we don't necessarily have as much control over it as we thought. So yeah, exactly. Anyways, and- oh, go ahead. No, oh, nothing. I was just gonna. I was just hoping that later we could come back and talk about quantum computers and. Hopefully, we will. In, infinite. Po- oh darn it! What's it called? The infinite possibility generator. Oh yeah. Well, for today though, that just about wraps up our show. Yeah. Thanks for listening, you guys. It was really fun to be here, and thank you, Jefferson, for playing along and learning so much. Yeah. If you're interested in learning more about the relationship between the placebo effects, spiritual healing, and you know the power of the mind, I definitely check out the full National Geographic article. You can find uh, it. Yeah, you. Oh, go ahead. No, you can find it on their website, nationalgeographic.com, where it's called "Unlocking the Healing Power of You," and it also appears in their December 2016 print issue under the aforementioned name "Mind Over Matter." We'll see you all in the next episode when we'll be back to talk all about wildflowers. Yeah, Smokey the Bear lives. Ooh, Smokey. <laughs> yep. Anyway, we sure hope that you'll tune into Everything Is Interesting right here, 8:30 in the morning. Two weeks from now on X-Ray. Bye.